Welcome to the Axis Effect podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller and Marjorie here with Susan Miller, founder and CEO of Astrology Zone. Hi, Susan. Hi. <laughs> Hello. We're so glad to have you on the show. I know we had you on back in season one to talk about Astrology Zone. It was such a great show. But I'm so happy that you're joining Marjorie and I because we have a list of questions for you now that we're in January into 2023 and everything. I want to chat with you a little bit about Astrology Zone and what you're doing. But I want to chat and start with because a lot of people are excited that it's January. So many people just are so excited. The first week of every month is such a huge week for you, no matter when it is, because that's when the letter from Susan comes out. You talk about the month ahead. Everybody's so excited. Is this January a little bit busier than normal for you? Or is it still the same amount of craziness of people dying to get a hold of you and to read what you're writing? Now that it's, no, it's, it's the same, but the year started very slowly because Mars was retrograde and Mercury was retrograde. But Mercury goes direct and normalizes tomorrow, January 18th, and Mars already went direct January 12th. So it's sort of for most people, not me because I'm writing all the time, but for most people, the, the year started a tiny bit slowly. And well, actually, many people had to change their plans, cancel their flights, move meetings around, because when Mercury retrogrades, that's what happens. Other events take priority. So we're flexible. There's so many things I want to chat with you about and we love about Astrology Zone. I know Marge has been a big fan. I adore working with you. And the calendars are out. We'll talk about those subscriptions. But we have about... A few questions. So we want to interrupt yeah. to ask you a few questions. One of them, and I'm going to start off, then we'll rotate off of this, Margie. What's the best way to understand astrology? And for people who have, have not had any contact with astrology, at first, most of us feel, how could it possibly work? Because actually, astrologers don't even know exactly why it works. But what I say is read your forecast every month for six months, look at the dates that are pointed out and write them down on your own calendar and see how it resonates in your own life. Astrology is the study of mathematical cycles and some that repeat in your lifetime and some that will never repeat. What the outside observer doesn't see is that astrologers look at many cycles at once, almost like little Russian dolls inside each other little doll. And in order to make predictions, we have to look at all the cycles. And it takes a long time for the brain to be able to absorb them when you're learning to become an astrologer. It takes a long time because you have to build synapse in your brain (laughs) to deal with all the detail. So it's not just one cycle we're looking at. One can undo the other. So we have to look at them all. Writing my calendar helps me a lot because it forces me to look at 
every day, every week, every month in enormous detail and write down what each important day means. Not every day is important. Some are building toward the next important day. But I would say on my calendar, you'd have 80% of the grid filled up, not 100% because an aspect may not be forming on one day. But then let's say your birthday is on one day and it's an empty grid. You look ahead to the next few days, see what's coming because you will be feeling that energy build. But <laughs> that was a long answer. To That's your okay. <laughs> the best way to use astrology is have an open mind, study it for a few months. Also, have your chart done if you can. Read for your rising sign and for your birthday sun sign. You must read for both to get the maximum out of a forecast. Perfect. Excellent. You've always told these beautiful stories about how your mom has taught you astrology, how you've grown up with astrology. And you just mentioned that like math and science are so crucial. So you've spent like your whole life doing this. How do the math and science integrate into astrology? Well, it it was really funny at the dinner table. My father was a fine produce dealer. He had a beautiful Italian grocery store with beautiful imports and so forth, but a lot of produce. And he would talk about the strawberries uh, suffering under the frost, weather forecasting, problems getting certain products from different parts of the world, depending on the weather. And my mother would talk about the cycles of the planets. And it is mathematical. Everything in life is based on cycles. And we know our bodies are based on cycles. And I was born with a birth defect that was very rare. And the doctors didn't know what was wrong. And they didn't have the machinery they have today to look inside the body. So they told my mother and father I was making it up, that it was not true. There was nothing wrong with me. Because when I was well, I was really well. And when I was sick, I was really sick. And there was no in-between point. I would get attacks. And what was happening is I was bleeding internally at a very high rate and they couldn't see it. And that's why I went into astrology after they found out what was wrong. They operated on me. I was in the hospital 11 months. They had to paralyze me during the operation. I couldn't move my foot or toes or anything. And they said, you're young, you're 14 years old. We're going to bring that back, but you can't go to high school. You'll have to do homeschool. Board of Education works with kids like that. And the whole reason I went into astrology was to see if all the work I do on the leg would have a happy ending. (laughs) I was very motivated to find that out. So as things worked out, it did work. But I went from junior high to New York University. So it was a very unusual childhood. All of high school was studied at home, took the tests at home. You know, people think, oh, do you take the regions and the SATs and all that? Yeah, yeah, you take them home with a instructor sitting there watching you. Yeah, you do take them. (laughs) So it was an unusual childhood, but it all worked out. And astrology did say you have a good chance of walking again. My mother did not want to teach me. I kept begging her. 
And my mother was more of a scholar. She never did readings for people outside the family. No one knew she knew astrology. This was our secret. She said, it's not accepted. I don't want to tell the world. I do not want to do consultations. I just want to read for the family, especially for me. My sister was born fine, but not me. And she was also interested to see how the progress would go for me. Everything really worked out. And they weren't even sure (laughs) at the time. Everything was in its infancy. You know, the different techniques they were using, they did electrical stimulation. They had to try to bring the nerve along the old path. And they did it with electrical stimulation and also to keep the, the calf and the ankle and so forth in good condition so that it wouldn't atrophied. And they were successful. It's grueling. <laughs> it was I, hard, but it worked. I love that that gave you like the um, motivation and insight to follow astrology because when I talk to you a lot of times like it always amazes me how your mind works when it comes to math and science because you just you're naturally you pick up on math and numbers like and I know it's New York and you don't have a car I don't even own license plates but you always know the <laughs> numbers and I always tell Marjorie it's just always astounds me that you could just memorize like when credit cards I mean banks same as so many numbers oh yeah I do so- Well, you know, when we were little, we didn't have smartphones. So we had to memorize our grandma's (laughs) phone number, our mommy's phone number. (laughs) And now smartphones have made us dumb. So I really like to memorize things like credit cards. Then you don't have to look them up. I like to memorize poems different things. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think, yeah, your, your mind is so intuitive on the math and science is connected. Let me ask you a question because I know we got a series of questions we want to chat with you about since we're dropping in on your afternoon. Your most recent book, I know you have so much published right now, is the next 200 years. What is the new next 200 years and why is that so important? I mean, it's 200 years, the next 200 years. Well, won't why be, is but why is it so important? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's going to be radically different. And we're very lucky to be born at this point in time. What happens every 20 years, I kind of have to start with that. It meets with Saturn. And I imagine them having dinner. <laughs> now, if you, if you remember your high school you know, science class, when you look at the solar system, Jupiter and Saturn are in the middle. They're not as close to Earth as Mercury, Mars, Venus. They're not as far away like the outer planets of Uranus and Neptune and Pluto. They're right in the middle. And they have an enormous effect on our goals and dreams because Jupiter takes a year to go around the sun and Saturn takes two and a half years to go around the sun. So it's not like Uranus that takes seven years or Neptune that takes 14 years or Pluto that can take as long as 33 years. It's a goal that you can start and see with a start, a middle and an end. When they meet, the sign they meet in and the element, fire, air, earth or water is vastly important. Well, remarkably, over the past 200 years, they've always met in earth signs. Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn. Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn. Over and over and over. They never jumped in front of each other. The signs always stayed in the right order. And for 200 years, except for one aberration in 1980, which I'll get to in a minute. So here you have 
For 200 years, the meaning only in Earth, and Earth is a touchy-feely sign. It rules consumerism in astrology, things that you can touch, taste, buy. (laughs) What did we do as a society worldwide over the past 200 years? Well, we, we built roads, bridges, tunnels, laid down railroad tracks. But very importantly, we started the Industrial Revolution and the assembly line. You know, it's, it's hard to imagine. Our nation is very young. We're 246 years, almost 247 years old. So we're coming back to where Pluto and some of the outer planets were during the American Revolution. We're a year away. But when I look out my window here in Manhattan, I imagine a forest and, and brooks and, and creeks and rocks and, and, you know, uh, DeWitt Clinton had bulldozed it all and got rid of, <laughs> he said, we can't have hills. That's no, no, must get rid of those hills. <laughs> he made everything flat and gridded up the city the way you see it today. And when you think back, what did Jupiter Saturn create? They built the assembly line. It's hard to imagine that there were no supermarkets. If you wanted oatmeal, you went to the general store and hoped the ship had come in with the barrel of oatmeal and general manager would take out the oatmeal and put it in a little bag. If you wanted a new dress, he would show you the fabric. You either went home and made it yourself or went to a tailor. So there was no life the way we know it now. But look what we have achieved. Now, we we did have problems with the Industrial Revolution. We had to, you know, fix sweatshops and pollution and so forth. With any progress, there is a downside that society has to agree, has to be fixed. And I think most of us, most nations did address them. For the first time, when Jupiter and Saturn met recently on December 21st, 2020, They did not meet in an earth sign. They met in Aquarius and herald the age of Aquarius. We are going full speed ahead into a digital age, a digital age of, you know, encrypted currency, of digital products, of things we can't even imagine. But we've had some clues during the pandemic. We had all the tools, we just weren't using them. For example, doctors didn't really want to see patients on the computer. They said, no, no, no one will do that. Well, during the pandemic, we all did it. You know, if we wanted to see our doctor or our psychiatrist, we went on the computer. No need to get in a car and drive. We learned about Zoom. Most of us didn't know about Zoom and it caught a lot of American companies by surprise and how well it worked. It was so much better than Skype. And we ate differently because we were eating at home. We wore different clothes because we weren't going to work in the morning. We had a totally different routine. And the book is about what's coming, all the different industries that will be affected. All of them will be. For example, when we here in New York turned the Javits Center into a hospital, architects sat up and took notice wait a minute, the buildings we've been building all these years and decades have been for one purpose. You know, whatever that purpose was, whatever they told us. But when they turned that into a hospital, they had to bring in the Army Corps of Engineers to make sure that the sick people 
wouldn't contaminate the other people in the Javits Center through the air ducts because we had a pandemic on our hands, you know, and that was pretty serious. So they had to change the filters, change the air. The airlines had the same problem. They had to think about that. And the engineers said, we will, the architects, I should say, said, we won't build buildings the way we have all the way in the past. We have to make them multifunctional. We have to have walls move and not the accordion walls like we remember from grade school, you know, when we had assembly and, you know, not like that, much more modern. And to worry about heating and and cooling and air ducts and the spread of antigens. So, and now with the vaccine, Usually when you're, let's say you're a drug company and you want to make a new drug, like we had to, there was a big urgency. Well, usually the part that takes the longest is raising the money. (laughs) Well, that problem was absolved because the government handed a check to the different drug companies. So when you're working on a drug, you work on different parts, you work in different teams. But we had the Watson computer now. And Let's say a scientist in New Jersey was working on part one of the vaccine, ready to go into part two, but he didn't have to wait for the New England Journal of Medicine for a new white paper to be discussed. Up popped a chap maybe in uh, Denmark, a scientist there, who was already deep into phase two. And that scientist in New Jersey could say, I'm going to call him up. We're going to work together because we're going down the same path. Communication was tightened at a very high degree. And the Aquarian ethos of working in groups, always for the sake of humanity, was very apparent. I remember Pfizer's CEO saying, look what can be achieved when no one cares who gets the credit. That is so Aquarian. That's awesome. Now, there was an aberration in 1980. And you say, well, what was that? Jupiter and Saturn met in Libra, which is an air sign. But then in 2020, they went back to Earth, Taurus. And whenever the universe is going to do something big, and it's happening in 23 on some other level, which I can tell you later, but it always gives you a little preview, just a little little taste. And then it goes back to where it was and then changes. In 1980, they met in Libra, which was air. And this was really nagging at me. Why does the universe do this? There has to be a purpose. You learn very quickly when you study astrology that Mother Nature doesn't do anything she doesn't have to do. She's very conservative in her energy, uses her energy properly. So I'm walking up Lexington and Madison and Park thinking, thinking, thinking about this. Why does the universe do this? And I realized in 1980, those babies are now 42 or almost 43 this year. Well, you can't get to 40 without making a big decision. Some people write a book. Some people buy their first house. Some people get married. Some have a baby. Some go to graduate school and get their advanced degree. But by 40, most of us have accomplished something important and we're grown up. Those babies have the DNA in their being. They will be the leaders taking us across the rickety bridge from the old era, the earth and consumeristic era we 
we were born into, cross the swaying bamboo bridge <laughs> to the other side of the ravine. They will say it will be all right. You always give plus or minus five years. So that means people born 1975 to 1985 will help us and emerge as some of the greatest leaders in our next era and show us how to use the digital, what is coming in the proper way. And of course, there'll be some downsides. You know, we've, we've seen that with uh, <laughs> cryptocurrency and that, that person who, uh, the CEO in the Bahamas who perhaps didn't know quite how to run a company. We don't know exactly what his thoughts were. It'll come out in the trial, but you know, there'll have to be fixes. But for all practical purposes, this is a really exciting thing. And we're going from a, a society with that will care more about what you know and what you're willing to contribute and how much you travel will be more important than what you own. So, you know, when you look at Instagram, I have a designer bag. Well, maybe that won't be so important. And I'm kind of looking for a shift in values. We'll also see big strides in medicine where they'll be able to take out inherited diseases out of your, out of your DNA and pluck it out before you're born. Because so many people are born with conditions that are not of their making. They're just born with it in their family. They'll be able to solve that too. There's a lot of good things. So I thought I'd write the book about what's coming. <laughs> so, I mean, it seems like there's so many things going on in the world, but astrology is also very personal. So maybe you could say as we go into, you know, this year, 2023, how can people integrate astrology in their day-to-day -day life to make improvements yes. in their own life? That's such a good question. And I, I love that question, Marjorie. You know, life moves quickly. Time goes through your fingers if you don't have signposts. Astrology shows you where you're going to have challenges and where you're going to have rewards. Uh, for example, the two signs that are the celestial favorites. First are Aries, finishing up a beautiful Jupiter cycle that started last year. It will end close to our Mother's Day. It ends on May 16th. I always like to try to pin it to holidays so people can remember. So the first four and a half months are absolutely magical for Aries. Why is this true? Jupiter, which takes 12 years to go around the sun, is in Aries. It's blessing entrepreneurial efforts because that is what Aries rules. Aries rules the bud, the beginning of spring, the renewal of life. And they say after the pandemic, the most noticeable part of the economy that at least we're seeing here in America is the, the plethora of entrepreneurship and ideas that are sprouting up. And not only ideas to make money, but to fix the environment. I was very inspired by uh, Prince William actually had a contest recently. And if you missed it, you should definitely Google it. I think they picked 10 winners. And one woman, you know, the winners were from all over the world. And one woman, a scientist, had figured out how to take carbon dioxide and turn it into stone. I mean, this is remarkable. But all the winners had different breakthroughs that helped the environment. And I just thought this was the best. And you're going to see more of this where companies or municipalities or like the royal family will have contests to applaud 
independent thinkers. And you're going to see a lot of venture capital be given out in the first part of the year because Jupiter and Aries shines on entrepreneurs. Second half of the year, after May 16th, Taurus becomes the celestial favorite from May 16th all the way to May 24th, 2024. So they get a whole year. But Aries had, remember, Aries had their turn partially last year too. So everybody gets between 10 and 12 months of Jupiter's favor. He's very equal with people. And Taurus rules the land and architecture. And I should say agriculture, how we grow our food, how we get it to market, how we protect people health-wise without harm of pesticides and so forth. So there'll be even more discussion about that and growing. I'm already seeing it here in New York where they're talking about having gardens on rooftops. And they've had to solve the irrigation problem of water on the roof, but they seem to be working out that problem. And, you know, just to lower the footprint of farm to table, (laughs) very dramatically, if they get that going here in New York, that would be great. And you go upstairs, you get your lettuce and carrots and radishes and cucumbers and you make your salad. I think that sounds really exciting. Now, every sign has Jupiter somewhere in their chart. So if you say, well, wait, I'm not Aries, I'm not Taurus, I'm not a celestial favorite, what happens to me? Well, you take Gemini. Gemini had a great career year last year. This year, it's not what they know, but who they know. And in the beginning of the year, they're going to spread their influence very widely through friendships, through networking, through clubs, but also through social media. They should definitely try a new platform just to try something new. I tried Discord. I love it. There's so many different ones out there sprouting up. And Gemini is good with social media because they are the sign of the reporter and the communicator. Gemini is really getting ready in the second half of the year for their biggest year ever, starting May 24th, 2024, and continuing for a whole year. So the ancients always felt you could have a better year if you think about what you want to accomplish, if you meditate about it a little bit, write down thoughts, doesn't have to be an essay, doesn't have to be journals, just some thoughts, what you want to achieve during your golden year. But they really had made some big strides last year, Gemini. That's very good. Now, cancer has a dazzling career year for the first four months. They had made a name for themselves last year and they're continuing that wonderful trend that they started. They're just on a roll. After that, you know, I know the cancers are saying, yeah, but what about love? Okay, I don't want to hear about love in the beginning of the year. (laughs) After May 16th, it comes. They have a really social time in the second half and they'll have a lot of fun. But the first half, I want it to be all about career, putting in that effort because they're going to the top of the charts. They are the apple of their management's eye. (laughs) The VIPs love them, but also subordinates love the cancers. They want to work under them and learn from them. Susan, let me ask you a question. And I love that we're going through all the signs. And there's so much to chat about, but I I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know we just dropped in on you randomly. I know when you talk about the signs and stuff, I know you've you, you've been done a tremendous job in the New York Times. You have celebrity clients. You, I, I've, we've been to your, your speaking engagements. One of the things I have a question for, though, I know when, when it's always super important to have 
your time of birth and location, because I know a lot of this wraps around your birth chart. So as you go through all the signs, we'll be able to look forward to why is it important to know your time of birth, location, and why are birth charts so important? And how do our birth charts play into all of this? Or is this information from? Well, in order to read a birth chart, you really need an astrologer's help. But the reason we have to do the location is if you're born in Australia or you're born in New York or you're born in LA or wherever, Vancouver, wherever you're born, there's a different longitude and latitude and different time zone. So we have to standardize it to Greenwich Mean Time A1 so that there's a uniform chart. And when you look up at the stars, it's uniform for everyone. That's why we need the time. And what's so interesting and the place, because we have to work on the time meridians. What's wonderful is no one will ever have your chart, not even a twin. No one will ever have your chart because astrology puts such, such a strong emphasis on every little degree. And when you have eight planets, and we include Pluto because he's a very powerful planet in the chart, plus the sun and moon, so you have 10 heavenly bodies moving all the time. You can never get a chart identical to anybody else's. There's always going to be a few degrees different and that matters. So you are a complete individual in the universe. And that means you have to sing the song that's in your heart because no one else knows you as well as you know yourself and what you're passionate about. You know, in astrology, the symbol for the sun, the sun sign, is a circle with a dot in the middle. And I was so intrigued to find out that the dot in the middle meant the divine spark within, that we all have a piece of God within us. And that creativity to be able to create the world we want. And and it's so inspiring when you study astrology. You see all the gifts that each of the planets give you. So that's why we need to do a chart to see where they were placed at the time you were born. You know, there's so many aspects to love about astrology. And you've done this so long. What's your favorite thing about being an astrologer? Oh, well, my favorite part is to make people feel better. I think God gave me that terrible illness. (laughs) I mean, I tell people I grew up in hospitals. I did. I mean, I I did grow up in hospitals. And it wasn't until, you know, actually when I got to about 20, I was done. But then they found out that I had no marrow and that I kept breaking the thigh bone and they didn't dare go in to nail it together because I could bleed to death. So (laughs) it kind of followed me. And it opened my heart. And if I meet someone who's frustrated about a certain circumstance, I can tell them how long that circumstance is going to last. But it's not a matter of setting your clock and having the alarm go off. You're supposed to learn something in the process. And that if you keep trying and trying different things, by the time I tell you, you should be able to solve it and dissolve that problem completely, that there is an end to the suffering. You know, my mother would say that. She said, you know, everything ends, Susan. The good ends, but the bad ends too. And, you know, she always felt so bad that I was in such excruciating pain when I would have an attack and I would have to lay in bed for eight weeks at a time. People just looked at me. They didn't understand what was wrong until 
the chief of staff of the hospital operated on me. And then, you know, was facing an operation he never, ever thought he'd have to. He was an orthopedic surgeon and this was very, very cardio. <laughs> but uh, he, you know, was a Fulbright scholar and had all kinds of degrees. So he, he was wonderful for me. But I love working with people and helping them. But I know my job is to write not to meet people one-on-one. I do occasionally meet someone in person, but I have so little time because I write for foreign magazines every month. I write the internet, I you know, my website, Astrology Zone, but also my two apps, and I'm, I'm managing a lot. So I can't really meet with people, but I know my job is to write. I don't know how I know that, but I know it like I know my name. And I love to write. I love the feeling of the keyboard under my fingers. I'm a bit obsessed. <laughs> so, so before you wrap up here, I, I just, I, and I love this. I know, so I, um, you're a head calendar that you work with, with Isaac Zano. It's the most, fun, he's one of my favorite artists. He's such a great artist. Calendars yes. are so beautifully done. Oh, they're exquisite. It's been such a pleasure to have them every year. And they could get those at astrologyzone.com. The web Astrology Zone also has a daily digital subscription at astrologyzone.com. The mobile app, you could get on Apple and Android. But what I love is that we recently launched Moonlight. And I want to take a minute to before we hang up. I was afraid to launch that. I know. And, and, I, I, and I know this was a labor of love. And I love that I was able to work with you on this. And to this day, for some reason, Moonlight is probably one of my favorite apps to look at. People- really embraced it and I was afraid to launch it. This is but what happened. Tell us to tell just tell us a little bit about what Moonlight is and how it works for you because I know we need to yeah. wrap up here, but I don't want to wrap up before you tell us what Moonlight is about, what it does and how it helps. My readers know it, it, when you read me after a while, you begin to understand astrology because I feel my role as teacher, not only forecaster. And also, it's not okay to just tell people that you're coming on to a difficult trend. I have to, I feel the responsibility to show you how to deal with it, like a coach, how to get around it, how to work with it, how to learn from it, how to get something from it, not just to report the news, but help deal with it. So people know, for example, that when Mercury is retrograde, one of the planets in the heavens, uh, you shouldn't sign a contract, you shouldn't buy electronics. There are different things you should avoid. Well, professional astrologers have been using a concept called the moon void, of course, for years. But I was afraid to tell people about it because I, I thought my readers would say, Susan, you tell us about Mercury retrograde and now we have to worry about something else. But I want them to do well and I want them to use their time well. And up until now, it's been very difficult to actually tell people about it because you'd have to go on the internet, you'd have to look at tables of numbers and see when the moon is no longer within range of other planets. She's the fastest moving body. We think of the moon as feminine. She meets all the other planets and then she rests, she's tired. When she's not communicating within eight degrees of another planet, she's resting and that's a bad time to have a press interview, to launch a product, to make a proposal, to do anything important, get married, to close on a house. You just want to avoid 
moon void, of course. And astrologers give such bad names to things, moon void, of course. But I wanted to have this app for me. (laughs) And I knew that with apps, you could put a GPS in it. So you didn't have to convert from Greenwich Mean Time and look at all these tables on the internet, which are not very enticing. (laughs) So first I went to Isaac and I said, Isaac, I need a painting of a moon. Well, he gives me something that looks like NASA. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't specific. I want little rosebud mouth, little eyelashes, little rosy cheeks. Oh, yes, Suzanne, I understand. And he made me the moon I wanted, a gentle, sweet little moon. We had to work against the words void of course. And you could just say void. You don't have to say void of her course of orbit, but you could just say void. And we made each day very simple. You could see when she was going in void and when she was going out. Now, some days, it's the whole day. The whole day is just better used for paperwork or doing something routine that is not earth shattering. (laughs) Stay to yourself, maybe do research, work on your manuscript. But you want to use a day that is free and clear where the moon is going to be helpful to you. I also put on every screen where the moon is. After a while, you'll say, gee, every time the moon's in Gemini, it's a good day for me. After a while, you get to see through your own empirical course as you're going through life that, wow, those, you know, and I like it when the moon's in Taurus. I like it when the moon's in Virgo, whatever it is. Well, you see it on the screen. We tell you in a very clear way. Well, I did not have high hopes for (laughs) my moonlight phases because I thought, well, this is is a hard concept and I have to teach my engineers first what it's all about. So there were so many obstacles, but they were quick learners. They got into it. They were intrigued by this concept. And uh, although the whole app from start to finish from the day I decided to do this took three years, my team didn't take three years. They took about nine months to get what I was saying. And uh, we came out with it last year. During the pandemic, I used my time in the pandemic locked in my apartment very well. <laughs> and we came out with Moonlight Phases last year. And it is such a good app. It is for people who uh, follow astrology, follow you. And it's a fairly new app. It is such an easy, intuitive such a good, I mean, I, I there's nothing it. like it out there like yeah, this. It is amazing. So I'm so happy with it, but you know how it is on the internet. People are starting to try to copy my name. You know, it's best if you go into Android or Apple and just put in Susan Miller and both my apps. Yeah. I hate that we're running out of time, Susan, because like, you know how much we love talking with you. Such a great experience of learning about astrology. <laughs> You're such a ray of sunshine when it comes to astrology. And so before we wrap up, and I'm sorry we crossed your day, but I love that we crossed no, your No, no, it's here. great. But you know, the apps on Astrology Zone, your daily Astrology Zone, Moonlight, you get on Apple and Android, the most beautiful calendar, digital subscriptions. If people want to know more about you, your monthlies, your NFT stars, everything they need to go All to. Oh, my NFTs, yes. I'm finishing a, uh, a manuscript on the year ahead. What happens when I write my book, the last six signs from, from uh, Libra to Pisces get longer than the first six because I've memorized so many dates. So mm-hmm. I'm going into the first six signs, making all the chapters even 
longer, more interesting details. I think of it as chocolates that you can use. And uh, that'll be coming out as an ebook very soon. Yeah, you've got some great books out and so much out there. And the best place for anybody is just to go to astrologyzone.com and everything under the sun, literally, or around the sun and the rest of the universe is all on astrologyzone.com. I hate saying goodbye to you, but I'm oh, so glad too, I'm but... so glad we dropped in on your afternoon and I appreciate you. I know how busy you are, so I appreciate you letting us in to your life today. And then we look forward to um, hearing more from you and following yes. your apps pretty soon. So I, I look forward to hearing your, your listeners' questions. Yeah. So over and so, to address them. Until we get Susan back on for more astrology and insight, this is Sarah Miller, Marjorie DeHay, with our special guest, Susan Miller, Astrology Zone. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Axis Effect podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Axis Effect podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit theaxiseffect.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.